<sighs> Holiday shopping is so stressful. It doesn't have to be. BlendJet is the perfect gift for everyone on your list. BlendJet? It's the portable blender that lets you make smoothies and shakes anywhere. That sounds amazing. But what about the price? That's the best part. BlendJet's Black Friday sale is going on right now. It's their lowest price ever. I'm sold. Where do I get it? Just go to BlendJet.com. But you've got to hurry. The sale won't last forever. BlendJet.com. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to Body of Christ Real Talk. Hola a todos. Bienvenidos a una verdadera charla sobre el cuerpo de Cristo. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Saturday of Body of Christ Real Talk. This is Joseph Brownlee, your host of Body of Christ Real Talk, BOCRTW 1964 Real Talk. Welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, good mid afternoon, and good evening and night to all my listeners. Welcome. All right, everybody, I'm going to get right into this. Christmas. Christmas. For the new listeners, I have been uh, elaborating on this special, wonderful day that the majority of Americans celebrate Christmas. And I done a few podcasts you know, given my story about Christmas and my history of Christmas since I was uh, old enough to celebrate Christmas. If you want to hear more about that, please go back to my podcast of Why I Stopped Celebrating Christmas is the title you will see there. And I advise you to go through that and check out that podcast before you go to the following podcast, which I've done a, a documentary about a deep history study about this very famous traditional day that people celebrate. Some celebrate it because of the birth of Jesus, many, mostly Christians and churchgoers. Some celebrate it because of the mythical Santa Claus and the elves and stuff like that. Some celebrate it just because like celebrating like it's a jubilee of gathering, getting together with drink, whether it's eggnog, whether it's eggnog with barcode, with drink, with liquor in it, whatever they celebrate. There's different reasons why people celebrate this Christmas Day. One of the most, I believe, uh, the most celebrated holiday in America. And I put emphasis on America. But I'm, uh, if you want to hear more about that, listen to those. Go back and check out those two podcasts, okay? Now, that with that being said, I'm going to, like I promised, it's another documentary. The last documentary I heard, and I forgot the young man's name, but he really got into some deep detail about the beginning of Christmas. And the, he put a lot of emphasis on the history of the December 25th, the date, the date that many believe, not all, but many believe that Jesus was born. So they celebrate Christmas. They believe Christmas tradition started with December 25th, the birth of Jesus. Most Americans believe that, not all. And I, I can't even say most, but I believe a, a thick significant of Americans really believe that, okay? Okay. 
So he got in. He didn't get into that, but that's what I'm saying. Please check out that documentary on the second video after why I stopped Christmas. And then I gave you the reason why I stopped celebrating Christmas. Okay, I hope you got something out that documentary. If you haven't, go back and check this. Check out that document. He was more like in your face, and he had a lot of uh, opinions as well, or reasons why certain people or Christians do what they do. You know, I agree with most of what he said, but I don't agree on everything he said. Not the history. I, I somewhat agree in that because you can find it in the history books, you know. But I, my point is his opinion is why people do it. I just, not saying that he's wrong, you know, but I'm just saying something that's different because you got to give people a chance to speak for themselves why they celebrate Christmas and don't assume that they know they're doing it for Satan or whatever because people have different reasons. So I like to give them that chance to tell further notice. Okay, now this documentary, what I'm going to get right into is more just going to explain the history of Christmas. It's not really really going to give you so much of a choice of what you should follow after this, but it's going to really give you somewhat of the same type of history about the beginning of Christmas, the Romans and all that didn't get into the Roman Catholic Church, which tradition shows that Roman Catholic, they the main ones that ushered in celebrating Christ on December 25th. And I'm sure a lot of them knew that December 25th was worshipped by other five pagan gods, including Nimrod, Beelzebub, or whatever like that. They changed his name to Saturn, I believe. So, that's the significance of the December 25th birth. It wasn't Jesus' birthday. Jesus was not born on December 21st. Many scholars believe it was sometime in the fall, maybe, or September or whatever like that. But we don't know that. The Bible doesn't put specifics on that. So I'm not going to go there either. But many many believe it was September. It wasn't December 24th, 25th. That, that number and that, that date came from the sun gods, uh, how they was worshipped then. And people probably shocked to hear that, okay? But many already know that Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. Okay, without either further ado, here's the second documentary where I uh, promised you we'll get, it gets in more into more emphasis about the character of Santa Claus and also the other traditions, the meaning of the certain ornaments and stuff for Christmas. It's 53 minutes long. Now, I'm going to let you listen to all of it, so I'm not going to interrupt this like I've done the other one to explain, because I don't have to explain. This is very clear. If you get bored, just turn it off. But the majority of this podcast, if I play it all, is going to be based on the traditions at the beginning of Christmas. Here we go. It has been called the Day of Days. It is a time of magic, pageantry, warmth, generosity, and love. For many of us, our fondest childhood memories revolve around the traditions of Christmas. It is a time that many around the world celebrate as the birth of Jesus Christ, the Savior and Messiah of mankind. In recent years, however, the spiritual holiday has become a time of mass marketing and crass commercialism. Incredibly, many businesses derive more than half their yearly income during this period. The process of gift giving, once thought to have come from the story of the wise men who offered gifts to the newborn Christ, has evolved into the buying frenzy we see today during the month of December. But what about the other Christmas traditions? Have you ever wondered why we decorate the Christmas tree? Why we light the Yule log? Why we hang the mistletoe? And why we teach our children to believe in Santa Claus? 
In the next hour, you will discover the true origins of Christmas. You may be surprised or even shocked to learn the source of your favorite holiday traditions. Chances are, you'll never look at Christmas the same ever again. Hemisphere during late December, the days are at their shortest lengths and the nights are at their longest. For those of the pagan world, this has always been the greatest time of the year to celebrate and practice the works of darkness. The pagan calendar identifies this period as the winter solstice. It was during the pre Christian midwinter pagan celebrations of Scandinavia's Norsemen where today's Christmas traditions began. As a means of honoring the pagan sex and fertility god Yule, a 12-day celebration during the month of December was inaugurated. A large single log considered to be a phallic idol was lit on fire and kept burning for 12 days. Animal or human sacrifices were offered in the fire on each of those days. Wild, delirious reveling accompanied the daily sacrifices as drunken participants defiantly strove to make contact with spirits. A thousand miles away in pre-Christian Rome, celebrants were paying homage to their own gods during the winter solstice. Witchcraft traditions hold that a number of pagan gods were given birth during this period, including Dionysus, Attis, and Baal, chief male god of fertility and licentiousness. Another pagan god from Persia, identified as Mithra, was said to have been born specifically on December 25th. Mithra was the god of the unconquerable sun, the god of the light between heaven and earth, worshipped at that time by an influential Roman cult. His birth symbolized an end to the long nights and a return to the dominance of the sun. During the month-long winter solstice celebration, courts in Rome were closed. Any and all crimes were allowed. Homosexuality, cross-dressing, and uncontrolled debauchery reigned supreme. Rome's order was turned upside down. Even children were allowed to join in the drunken orgies as part of the juvenilia celebration. By 270 AD, the Roman Emperor Aurelian had made it official, setting aside a seven-day period from December the 17th through the 24th, culminating in an exchange of gifts on December the 25th to celebrate the birth of the sun god. This Roman orgy to end all orgies later became known as Saturnalia, in honor of the god Saturn, the god of excess. Roman soldiers invading Britain brought with them their pagan orgiistic traditions. Upon taking root in England, Saturnalia became known as the Festival of Fools reigned over by the Lord of Misrule. By the 4th century, the influential government-sanctioned Church of Rome, unable to outlaw the growing number of pagan practices, chose instead to adopt them into their so-called official Christianity. The Church believed this would attract more pagans to their fold. Up until this time, the birthday of Jesus Christ, the Jewish Messiah, had not been celebrated at all. 
Ignoring scriptures, however, indicating that the birth probably did not occur during the winter, the church nevertheless confused biblical history and made Jesus' birthday coincide with the pagan god Mithra. The birth date of the sun god had now become the birth date of the son of God. It was hoped that the pagan celebrations of Saturnalia would merge into this new legally sanctioned form of Christianity. The church's practice of changing the dates of Christian events to coincide with pagan festivals continued, and by the 7th century, Pope Gregory I had ordered Augustine of Canterbury to incorporate any and all pagan practices and customs into the expanding Roman Catholic Church. During the Middle Ages, the debased Mardi Gras atmosphere of what was now known as Christ's Mass had reached a fevered pitch. Common practices included open sex in the streets, rioting, murder, and a number of pagan druidic Halloween rituals. This blood-drenched celebration got so... I'm sorry, I know I said I wasn't going to interrupt, but I had to just put my two cents on there. Now, just think about it. The first documentary we heard, many of you heard, didn't put much emphasis on how they celebrated this called pagan holiday called Christmas. They changed uh, the name from Saturn to uh, Christ to appease both the Christians and the pagans. That's the way I look at it, like I said in the other uh, podcasts. But the children's sacrifices, the the wild debauchery, you know, the whoredom, the walking around naked and giving our presents naked. You would have never thought, including myself, that a lot of that tradition was transferred into Christmas today in a very different way. Now, people still have parties. They still drink and whatever like that. But that spirit that hypnotizing spirit of Christmas still today presides in this holiday. Christmas was a wild, pagan, uh, demonic, paganism tradition that's being masked, M-A-S-K-E-D, masked, in the tradition for Jesus' name. So you have a mixture of somewhat Christianity, paganism, mythicism, and all this stuff in this very celebrated tradition of Christmas. I just want to throw it right there. Christmas was never about, you know, the joy and the peace that we celebrated today as Americans and others. It was more like wild parties, orgies, worships, even sacrificing of children and children kissing each other and all kind of demonic anti-God stuff. Wow, that's something to think about now when you celebrate this day. Think about that. Got so out of hand that by 1652, following the execution of King Charles I, Christ's Mass was finally outlawed in England. A religious reform movement began sweeping the country, led by Puritan Oliver Cromwell. The Puritans took the biblical mandate seriously, which commanded that Christianity remain pure. <laughs>
It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. And separate from paganism. Despite their noble efforts, the celebration simply went underground, and by 1656, after only four short years under the ban, the public's demand for the legalization of Christ's Mass had become insurmountable. The appointment of Charles II to the throne restored England's monarchy, and with it, the celebration of Christ's Mass. The Puritans had lost England, but they held high hopes for the new world. When the first settlers came from England, uh, they were, for the most part, Puritans. They came here for religious freedom. They came here to be free to worship God without a hierarchy and without the corruption of the organized church that they had known before. And uh, when they came, they came with the clear knowledge of the danger of these pagan practices that had become so dear to the hearts of uh, their ancestors. Following England's lead in 1659, the colonies of America had likewise outlawed Christmas. For 200 years, the clergy in New England battled to keep the riotous celebrations honoring the pagan god Saturn. So for the ones that don't understand, Christmas has been mass when the Puritans came and that mixture and that combining of the pagan, the true, and we put emphasis on that tradition of Christ's mass. It wasn't Christmas, it was Christ's mass because the name was changed, et cetera, from Saturn to Christ. And you already know from the last documentary and the beginning of this documentary that it was paganism, the parties and the whoredoms and all that nakedness and all that sacrifice. So just put emphasis on the real tradition and the spirit of Christmas, okay, which we call Christmas today. The Puritans. They knew about that, but they wanted to get away from that. And they wanted to separate themselves when they celebrated. Now, they didn't really they didn't stop celebrating Christmas. Because I think the, uh, it started in America or was something about 1600 and something. Just, you know, because America really outlawed Christmas, from what I heard from other studies, because of the paganism and the, the debauchery and the whoredom that it caused and the, and the, and the anti-God that it was. So America kind of outlawed it. it it finally came into fruition through Rome or whatever like that. I could be getting this wrong, but I wanted to, these are for the ones that don't really understand what's going on. I knew I said I was not going to interrupt, but I know it might be some people, they, they need to understand what was going on. So the Puritans, even today, that's what the good joy of the good Christmas and all this other stuff start birthing itself because of the filthiness of the tradition of the beginning of Christ's mass. So let me get back to this. From infiltrating the New World. The Reverend Cotton Mather had warned in a Christmas Day sermon in 1712 Can you, in your conscience, think that your Holy Savior is honored by hard drinking, lewd reveling, and by a mass fit for none but Borcus or Saturn? 
but the public's taste for sin and revelry persisted. In 1828, gang rioting during the Saturnalia-like Christmas celebrations got so bad that cities such as New York were forced to institute a professional police force for the first time in order to control the savagery. Christmas was not only not widely celebrated, in many cases, uh, many places, Christmas celebrations were actually outlawed. And this was because of uh, the attitude of many of the churches who regarded it as primarily as a pagan celebration and as a reproach to the Lord. By the mid-19th century, American churches were the last remaining holdout in the war against the validation of Christmas. However, they too finally succumbed as a result of the efforts of the American Sunday School Society, who began advocating Christmas programs for children as a method of filling the pews. The Society argued that children could be taught about the birth of Christ through the reenactment of the Nativity. They also offered candy and treats to the children as a means of enticing families into accepting the holiday, despite its notorious history and blatantly pagan roots. The successful technique of bribing children with candy would later be used on an unsuspecting American populace in the effort to promote the acceptance of the pagan rituals of Halloween. However, it was the work of England's most popular writer, Charles Dickens, whose ghostly 1843 book, A Christmas Carol, cemented the Christmas holiday in the hearts of Americans forever. Dickens' well-loved story made the pagan Christmas feasts, shining trees, glittering shops, and family warmth irresistible to those wanting to experience the holiday. Coming to America in 1867 to promote his work, Charles Dickens packed theaters as he read his story to cheering audiences around the country. A Christmas carol gripped America and destroyed any final attempt to stop the evolution of Christmas. By 1875, the Puritans had been beaten, and by 1890, all American states had voted to make Christmas a legal holiday. Wow, isn't that something? Christmas or Christmas, the original name, was outlawed. Many churches, Presbyterians and many church leaders, you know, in America wanted to outlaw Christmas. But Charles Dickens, now listen, Charles Dickens is the writer or the creator of the character Scrooge and the Christmas Carol. When he wrote that or whatever like that, you know, just that, I'm getting ahead of myself, but just that writing, you know, and that tale, which is a fictional tale about a redemption of this old grouchy man that hated Christmas, that was his story. So he kind of built the corruption of the trees, the corruption of the mistletoes and all that corruption of the log burning and the candles, which they mentioned, mentioned was all, which is all paganism that many people today do and don't know it which is all traditionally paganism, the decorations and all that, it kind of was masked and kind of cuted up and prettied up in the Charles Dickens story to make Christmas look good. So that energy and that, that spirit was masterminded, you know, I believe, by the enemy to make Christmas to feel and look and present itself today. Isn't that something? 
Many people don't know the real meaning of Christmas was paganism and worshiping of Satan and these and these gods and Satan and all the ornaments and the different traditions of Christmas. You know, the nativity scene, which is really fictional when it comes to stories of nativity scenes. I'm going to read an article after I get through with this. It's really fictional because the majority of what we believe about the manger and the nativity scene was not mentioned in the Bible. The Bible didn't mention the majority of the stuff of what happened in movies of the nativity scene. That's another story. So keep continue to listen, and I'm going to read a certain article by uh, Grace Ambassadors Justin Johnson, that information that us believers would need to really understand. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you listen to a little bit more. I don't know if I'm going to play it all because it's kind of long-winded because I want to get into the ending of this teaching on Christmas. All right, here we go. Today's tradition of the Christmas Yule Log stems directly from the worship of the pre-Christian Scandinavian fertility god Yule. The burning of this phallic idol is also responsible for the concept of the 12 days of Christmas, which represented the 12 daily sacrifices offered up in the Yule Log's flames. Another uh, good example of the um, pagan elements of Christmas is the whole concept of Yule and the Yule Log. The, uh, the very term is derived from the uh, uh, Norse god Yule, spelled J-U-L, and uh, uh, every year around Christmas time, uh, a huge log was uh, uh, cut down and uh, fashioned into a uh, fertility symbol and then burned uh, for 12 days. And on each successive day, a, a, a new sacrifice to the god Yule was performed uh, uh, in the fire and a new sacrificial victim was, uh, was burned to death. Uh, sometimes, but not always, the sacrificial victims were uh, human beings. And the whole uh, notion of the 12 days of Christmas also comes to us from this uh, Norse pagan tradition. In an attempt to blur the origins of this horrific ritual, the Church of Rome placed the first day of the Mass of Christ on December 25th and the 12th day on January the 6th. Despite no scriptural references for January the 6th, it was selected as the day the wise men supposedly arrived to offer gifts to the newborn Christ. This day then has become known as Epiphany. During the Dark Ages, the European custom of putting an oil-lighted wick lamp in the windows during the 12 days of Christmas signified to neighbors that the occupants were participating in the pagan worship of the phallic idol Yule. In today's commercialism, this is where we get the tradition of decorating our houses with Christmas lights. The Yule log custom was originally brought over to America by Scandinavian immigrants during the 1600s. And despite attempts to ban the tradition, it has stayed with us to this very day. Today, when we wish someone Yuletide greetings, we are in a sense invoking the power of the fertility god Yule upon that person. Saturnalia celebrations, holly and other greens were hung over doorways as part of a pagan ritual to ward off evil. To deck the halls with boughs of holly was to acknowledge the powers of the nature gods. 
According to Wiccan rituals, placing holly or other greens in the shape of a circle or wreath accentuated its magical power. Similarly, mistletoe, when used in the casting of Wiccan or Druidic spells, could render a woman helpless and open to sexual exploitation. This is where we get our custom of hanging mistletoe in doorways today, and if a woman is caught underneath, she may be kissed and must not resist. The fir tree, uh, the mistletoe, uh, all of these things uh, typically uh, are uh, come from uh, uh, overtly uh, pagan traditions, uh, in, typically in, from Northern Europe, German, Norse, and uh, English. Likewise, evergreen trees have always represented sex and fertility in pagan cultures. During the winter solstice, trees would be chopped down, brought inside, set up, and decorated as idols for worship. The Christmas tree was regarded uh, as a as a sacred tree. Uh, the uh, the pagans of Northern Europe uh, typically uh, worshipped trees. They uh, regarded trees uh, and groves as sacred. So uh, uh, the bringing of the tree into the house would be a way of uh, bringing this uh, supernatural uh, source of blessing uh, into your home. That was that was the whole idea that there were there were spirits uh, who resided. In the trees. In the Middle Ages, the tradition of the winter solstice Christmas tree primarily took root in Germany. During his reign, King George I, himself of German extraction, brought the custom to Victorian England. German immigrants settling in Pennsylvania did the same in America during the early 1800s. In 1848, the London Illustrated News published this famous engraving depicting Queen Victoria and her royal family beside a decorated Christmas tree. And within a few years, nearly every English household had their own tree in allegiance to the monarchy. By 1900, the U.S. Forest Service estimated that at least one in five homes in America had adopted the Christmas tree tradition. Thousands of years earlier, God, speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, warned against this pagan practice in the Old Testament. Thus saith the Lord, Learn not the ways of the heathen, for the customs of the people are vain. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest, they deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and hammers that it move not. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, neither also is it in them to do good. Now, next section, did y'all know that about the Christmas tree? The real tradition, the true traditions of the Christmas tree. What I like about this documentary is well explained. Like, like, and you could also research this stuff. This stuff is not nothing hidden. You can YouTube it just like I did. You can Google Dr. Gord. You can research cyclopedias, whatever way you feel comfortable, whatever melts your butter, whatever way you feel comfortable. You can read, comfortable, excuse me. You can research this stuff yourself, this information. But what I am just trying to present you with is an art. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Alternative of the other side of something. I'm always trying to get people to see another side of something when it comes to traditions, even when it comes to education, when it comes to politics, when it comes to slavery, when it comes to church uh, doctrines and, you know, dogmas and stuff like that. I try to let people see or I try to also, as I learn, I teach, as I teach, I learn myself to let people see the other sides of traditions. Because a lot of things that we grew up believing and grew up seeing or hearing, even from some parents, I didn't get a lot of Christmas teaching from my parents, so I can't say that about that. But I got it from the outside of my house, which a lot of, you know, people I grew up would probably have too outside of their house because a lot of parents was ignorant and did not know the real traditions of Christmas or Christmas or whatever you want to call it or any other holiday, Halloween, Thanksgiving, whatever, you know. So that's what I try to do here. So you can come up with a decision after you hear the fullness of traditions. You understand what I'm saying? So you can understand some type of fullness of traditions. You understand what I'm saying? So the information I present to my listeners, the, uh, the information I try to give you is information that you can just backtrack me and look it up yourself. You can look up all this stuff yourself. Some some of you are going to be interested and some of you are going to ignore it. And some of you just going to say, so what? And celebrate it anyway. That's your choice. But I'm just trying to at least you can have this information out there because we need to be careful what we put Jesus in. Let me say that again. We need to be very careful what we put Jesus in. If we read our Bibles, if we understand how God felt about paganism, how he felt about idols, worship, and different things, no matter how good it seemed on the outside or how good it made us feel, because the majority of us and I'm going to speak for myself, celebrated Christmas to make us feel good. It had to do with us feeling good about ourselves. It wasn't so much focused on Jesus. And I'm talking about myself. It was basically because it made us feel good. Now, I ain't talking about when I was younger. I'm talking about when I was really out there in the world drinking and getting high and partying. That was about me. And when I was in the church and everything like that, that was a good thing. But it still wasn't so much focused on Christ in a, in a way because it was seemed like it was something that we had to do. We had to throw that out there. Well, anyway, I'm going to let you listen to a little bit more. But I want you to put I wanted to, uh, to wanted you to focus on the, the beginning of the Christmas tree, bringing the Christmas tree, the decoration and the ornaments and stuff like that is really just like the other documentary explained it, it's like bringing paganism and Satanism in your house. Now, when you hear this, 
you you can deny it all you want to, but I'll, bro, don't deny anything if you don't get no do your own research. I always say that. Don't deny it just because you don't want to know the truth. See, find out what the truth is. And I'm talking to believers of the body of Christ and, who, and mainly whoever's listening. Then you go from there. But at least you'll know and you will have no excuse at the judgment seat of Christ. Okay, when it comes to certain traditions that we celebrated, if you did not know these things, then you you make that decision. Some things you don't need to pray about. You already know God is against it. You don't need to say, I need to pray about this to see how God feel about this. Come on, we're not babies no more. We understand these things. I'm not trying to persuade you or dissuade you. I'm just some things we need to know that it's wrong. But we still and some of us really don't understand it because we don't know if it's wrong or not because we don't study the Bible enough, let alone read it. We don't study it when it comes to traditions and what did God feel about certain paganism. But let me get back to this. I'm going to do a little bit more. Then I'm going to read an article from uh, one of my favorite teachers, Justin Johnson from Grace Ambassadors, about the nativity scene. Let's finish this. Okay. God bless. Santa Claus is another uh, good example of a pagan element of, of Christmas. Santa Claus, as we know him today, is a uh, an amalgamation of several different traditions. But uh, in most cultures throughout the world, uh, you will find the existence of what is known as hearth gods, uh, gods who uh, guard uh, the hearth and the chimney and keep the fires burning and make sure the food cooks properly and the people are warm and what have you. And at a certain time of year, uh, in the middle of winter, typically, uh, the hearth god dressed in red will come down the chimney to reward those who uh, have pleased him during the course of the previous year and to uh, lay uh, curses or hexes or other forms of uh, tr- uh, punishment upon uh, people who have displeased him. The concept of Santa Claus has had a long and winding history with a number of diverse cultures contributing to the composite character we have today. Beginning once again in Scandinavia, Santa's original incarnation was in the form of Odin, the pagan god of thunder, a tall fellow with a long flowing beard who inhabited the spirit-infested Nordic forests. Odin would travel the sky during the winter solstice deciding who would die and who would prosper. Most believers were frightened of this particular time of year. In England, Odin eventually evolved into Father Christmas, who, crowned with sprigs of holly, traveled to the countryside getting roaring drunk as part of the Festival of Fools celebration. Frequently, he would be accompanied by a horned goat, ironically the biblical symbol of those who reject the salvation of Jesus Christ. According to the traditions of the Church of Rome, there was a Turkish bishop named Nicholas who hailed from Myra in Asia Minor during the 4th century. He was known as the patron saint of seafaring men. Over the centuries, as the legend began to unfold, it was rumored that St. Nicholas had actually captured the devil himself, put him in chains, and made him his personal servant. Recognized in various cultures as Krampus, Beelzebub, or Zwart Pete, Black Peter, this assistant of St. Nicholas is best known by his German name, Necht Ruprecht. Described as a hideous horned creature, 
The servant Ruprecht was a dark and sinister figure who stood in stark contrast to the saintly Nicholas. Somehow, Father Christmas's companion... Now, I know you can't see these pictures. That's why you have to check out this video, research this video yourself. But this person they talk about, they're talking about this an evil, creepy-looking figure. Goblins and gremlins and gargoyles always personified an evil, devilish-looking look. That's how man look at demons and devils and even Satan. But if you know your Bible, Satan does not look like that. He's the total opposite. The Bible in Ezekiel, Ezekiel, I believe, or the book of Isaiah explained the beauty of Satan. But this is just a persona of the evilness of Satan. You know, the goblin look, the gargoyle look, that, that gremlin type of look, that troll type of look. You know, that's what they're talking about, this, this person right here. Now, what I don't want to do. Now, get into Santa Claus, because many people don't believe in Santa Claus no more anyway. The, I believe the majority of believers and non-believers don't believe in Santa Claus anyway. So I don't need to really get more into that. But even Santa Claus, you know, the beginning and the persona of Santa Claus started from the Greek god Odin. Many people watched Marvel, uh, Thor, his dad name was Odin, the god of thunder, and that white long beard or whatever like this. But this Odin uh, fictional character, pagan character, was evil. So, again, tradition tried to uh, make this, made this person, in other words, the persona of Santa Claus is a persona, is the the others, it's like Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> In other words, uh, Mr. Hyde is Odin. Dr. Jekyll is Santa Claus. So, like Satan always does, he does his, does, he camouflages. So, the Santa Claus that we know today, the fictional character that many know he's fictional now, today comes from the character of the Greek god Odin, the god of thunder. If you don't know Odin, just think of uh, Thor of the Marvel characters in the comic books. His dad was Odin, the gods of thunder, and his look and persona, the look, put emphasis on the look. That's where that look of Santa Claus really came from. Now, I'm not talking about the stories of St. Nicholas, and I'm not talking about the name, where the name Kris Kringle came from. But think about this. All those stories and whatever like that, it's paganism. I'm talking about the persona and the look now of Odin and Santa Claus. America just changed it. The Roman Catholics just changed it for the good. But this evil character they're talking about, a lot of this is just blaspheming and just anti-God and making Jesus, the Son of God, look bad. It's still a pagan worship. It's just been masked. That's what I'm trying to just show everybody. Christmas has been masked, M-A-S-K-E-D, masked to make it seem like it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. It's so, the spirit of this pagan evil is so strong and demonic that it lured us to worship this holiday and we know it's paganism. Let me say that again. This is strong that this demonic spirit is. And a lot of you might not agree, but I can prove it because you still celebrate today. And a lot of you, even after you hear this, still going to celebrate it and you're going to make excuses for the kids and all that. I know that. 
but the spirit of it is so strong that we celebrate something that we didn't even know why traditionally was told about the presence, about the Christmas tree. We celebrated that, okay? And then we found out the true meaning and still celebrated. And in the future, still going to celebrate it. Now, not me, but I'm just I'm just speaking for others as well. We'll celebrate this holiday. Some will stop after they hear this or do their own research, and some will not. Okay, that's how strong this hypnotizing spirit, this demonic spirit, I like to call it. I don't call it energy. I call it an evil demonic spirit because that's what it is. It's so powerful. It's hard to let go that tradition, even when you know it's pagan. And you say, no, no, it's not that hard. Okay. But you still celebrate it, but you still try to dress it up that, you know, it don't mean that much or whatever like that. You know, I'm, I'm not saying all, you know, and I don't want to be the one accusing or just saying that you all doing it purposely. I'm not saying that you mean well, meaning well don't mean you right, but you mean well. But the thing, the, the, the thing is, you know, knowing the paganism history, you got to remember, even though you change something from pagan to Christ, it's still pagan. It's just a mask. Gee, Satan always comes as an angel of light, even when the Antichrist come. And I spoke about this before. He's going to come as an angel of light. Satan is the master of masking and manipulation. He's been, do- he's been doing this for thousands and thousands of years. Now, I'm going to go past the Santa Claus thing. I'm going to try to fast forward to some other traditions you probably didn't know about. And then I'm going to let it go from there. But I just wanted to throw that out there. Okay, here we go. in a sense and displaced by the myth of Santa Claus. He takes the place of God or of Jesus Christ in the special world that is Christmas. Uh, He has supernatural knowledge of uh, of your history. He has supernatural knowledge of, uh, of your present, of your attitudes. He's keeping a list. He knows who's naughty and nice. Your parents don't even know that. Uh, he's obviously got some uh, some conduit to knowledge that is uh, beyond the human, uh, and he uh, he flies through the air, uh, capable of visiting every place on the globe in the course of a single night. In many many ways, Santa exhibits supernatural qualities that uh, provide a kind of a surrogate deity or a substitute for uh, for God or for Christ. Myths, by definition evolve and change and things are added uh, we we used to have a santa claus figure uh, that was confused with saint nicholas and confused with other pagan figures and then somehow he evolved through the drawings of thomas nast and others into what we see today but he had a sleigh with eight supernatural reindeer that can fly and so the the christmas traditions that are judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy 
The Chamba life is for everybody. So go to ChambaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChambaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pagan. Continue to change. But the truth of Jesus, the truth of the incarnation, the truth that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, never changes, never will. Wow, I'm going to end this in this show, but that's interesting. Paganism, Paganism traditions always change in story or in character. Paganism's stories change and paganism's characters change, but the story of Christ never change. The story of Jesus, the Son of God, never change. But paganism does. But what they try to do, they try to replace a good story of like a Santa Claus or some other mythical person, you know, over Jesus. You can look at some of the movies that's made. I don't know if they're doing this on purpose fictional when it comes to the Harry Potters and the Lord of the Rings or whatever like that. The emphasis is based on man, wizards, mysticism, mysticism and stuff like that. Good witches like the Wizard of Oz, bad witches or whatever like that. They are good. They are so good and they, and they are so powerful. You know, you forget that it's still paganism. It's still a witch. A witch is a witch. There's no such thing as a good witch and a bad witch. You still use spiritual, you know, mysticism and stuff like that. So that blinds us and that blinds children. So they start worshiping these these mystical characters that they call Superman good. They call Batman good. Even the tactics, the tactics that they use are evil and wicked. But it's, it's like wicked. Satan used wickedness to conquer the wicked. Let me say that again. Satan used wickedness to conquer the wicked to keep you confused. You see what I'm saying? So we start worshiping these characters and these movies and these Santa Claus and ignoring that they are trying to replace Jesus Christ, ignoring that it's paganism. That's the power of traditions. That's even in churches. Your pastor could be masked as replacing Jesus without you even knowing it. Your wife and your husband, your children, so we have to watch the manipulating and the tricks of Satan when it comes to traditions, when it comes to anything. We as believers of the body of Christ has to be careful. I'm going to say this. We as the church today, we don't need traditions. Now, I'm not saying all traditions is evil and bad, but we don't need traditions we don't need certain days to celebrate the birth of Jesus. 
We don't need that. God does not require that. God is eternal. God always been. He don't need to be reminded because that fleshly baby was flesh. Jesus always been. He was never born. He came in a major. He was begotten when he was resurrected. He was begotten. Jesus was never born. So we have to remember that when we celebrate Jesus' birth, people get confused. They think that's when Jesus was first born. No, Jesus is God. He always been. So watch that trick from Satan to keep you focused on the fictional plays of the nativity scene. And we put too much focus and, you know, our belief on that and forget that Jesus is eternal. Jesus is God. Okay. So we don't want to get too much caught up in that when it comes to that, even on Christmas, because also remember the Romans, even back before pre-Christ, the Romans started a lot of this stuff. Then the Catholic church, even today, they the one brought in Christmas and or and started churches to celebrate Christmas on the 25th as the birth of Jesus. It was not the Bible. It was the Roman Catholic Church. Okay, remember that now. The Roman Catholic Church started a lot of stuff. They branched off different. That's what that's what started a lot of branch off of different churches, even Martin Luther and all them. A lot of churches branched out because they were trying to get away from the Roman Church. And then you start this mixture of different denominations because of the Roman Catholic Church. They was very dogmatic. So a lot of denominations started because of the spreading of the Roman church, trying to get away from that Roman belief. That's why you got different names like the Lutherans, the Presbyterians, the, the Pentecostals, you know, the Methodists, the United Methodists. And it starts spreading out because of traditional beliefs, trying to get away from certain beliefs of the Bible. So the teachings of Paul, not so much Peter, but the teachings of the Apostle Paul got warped. You didn't hear a lot of teachings about Paul no more after that spreadingness of the church. It went back to the kingdom. Satan is a master of manipulation. Okay? The master of manipulation. He is so good, I don't care what you say. Pentecostal talking about you could put your, uh, and I'm not lifting Satan up. You could put your neck on him and all this stuff, but they still celebrate certain traditions and do certain things. That's pagan. And they say it's from God. You understand what I'm saying? Whoever is listening to me. I'm going to play a little bit more and I'm going to stop and then I'm going to end it with an article. You know, so let me continue. Okay, this is an activity. He's going to talk about the activity of the earth. Various scriptures in the Bible, including the second chapter of Luke, record the events surrounding the birth of the Messiah. A decree from Caesar Augustus had gone out requiring all people to return to the city of their origin for taxation purposes. Mary, who was pregnant with a child conceived by the Holy Spirit, made the difficult journey to Bethlehem along with her husband Joseph. Both Joseph and Mary were of the lineage of King David. Upon arrival, they found all the inns to be full, but were provided with a stable where Mary could have her baby. 
At the same time, an angel announcing the birth of the Messiah appeared to shepherds tending their flocks in a field nearby. The stunned shepherds hurried to Bethlehem and found the baby Jesus lying in a manger just as the angel had declared. Although traditional nativity scenes placed three wise men at the stable at the time of Jesus Christ's birth, according to scripture, these wise men visited Jesus later at his home. Because three gifts are named, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, tradition says three men gave them. But exactly how many wise men visited Jesus is not known. The birth of Jesus Christ miraculously fulfilled a number of Old Testament prophecies about the coming Messiah, including that he would be born in Bethlehem, that he would be born of a virgin, and that he would be a descendant of King David's. The, the concept or the idea of celebrating the birth of Jesus once a year had apparently never occurred to the church fathers. In the first three centuries of the church's history, there was no such thing. And I think God perhaps very carefully avoided telling us in the scriptures when he was born. We can be sure of one thing. It wasn't in late December in the scriptures when he was born. We can be sure of one thing. It wasn't in late December. And uh, because in the first place, shepherds don't abide by their flocks in the fields by night in late December. It's too cold. They take them out in the morning to pasture, uh, uh, protect them while they eat all day, and then bring them back in at night. So it wasn't in late December. It, it, it's an interesting thing and perhaps uh, an intellectually uh, tantalizing thought to try to figure out when he was born. And it can be done uh, within limits. And uh, if it mattered, and apparently it doesn't matter to God, it probably, he was probably born in late September. Some scholars point out that according to scripture, the birth of Jesus may have taken place in the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles or September 29th. Ironically, this would have placed his conception right around December 25th. The timing of other events such as the temple service of Zacharias and the pregnancy of Mary's cousin Elizabeth lend credence to December 25th as being the date of Jesus' conception. Since Christians believe that life begins at conception anyway and not at birth as pro-abortionists believe, this may be a more appropriate reason to remember this time of the year as the period in which God came to earth in human form. For some, Christmas today simply means a time to get together as a family. For pagans, it is a deeply religious time to celebrate the winter solstice. Retailers, of course, view it with eyes towards making huge profits. Okay, so she wasn't right now. She's breaking down the different reasons why uh, uh, people celebrate Christmas. So uh, remember, I mentioned that earlier, even in the beginning of the, uh, this series, about there's different reasons, even more than what I say, why people celebrate Christmas and everything. You know, Christians celebrate it because of the birth of Jesus, or suppose they believe it's in the birth of Jesus, December 25th. Pagans celebrate it because of their sun gods and Saturn and all that. The people traditionally because of the gifts and whatever like that, you know. No files there. But speaking of the gifts, and I didn't get too much of it, many traditional Christians, and I believe it came from the Christian so called or the church, because I'm, I'm, everybody's not a Christian, or the church, about gift giving was a pagan thing. Because as Christians, their belief believe gift giving started because they was trying to. Gym, 
Yeah, so basically, uh, I have to take care of something, but uh, I'm going to let it stop right there, and I'm going to end this series, but I just wanted to give you some uh, heads up on uh, the tradition of uh, Christmas, and uh, people wanted to know and wanted to ask me why I don't why I stopped celebrating Christmas. It wasn't because of these documentaries. I stopped celebrating Christmas over quite a few years ago because I just felt the tradition. It was just too, you know, pagan, and it was just too stressful, and it was not really about Christ. And I knew Christ was not born on the 25th, so I could not continue to celebrate something that I felt it really didn't have nothing to do with God, and God would be pleased with that. That's my take on Christmas. Now, people might say I'm anti-Christmas. Yes, I am. I, 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 when you say anti-Christmas, I'm anti-paganism, okay? I'm not anti-Christ. I'm anti-pagan traditions that cause themselves or put the name of Jesus on something. That's what I am. And it took me a lot of, th- it took a lot of thinking and a lot of heart for me to do what I do. I have my headphones off. I hope you got all of that. But let me just say it over again, just in case you did not hear me. I am anti-Christ mass. I am anti-pagan traditionist. I'm not into that anymore. I don't celebrate Halloween. I don't uh, celebrate, you know, when it comes to our tradition of Thanksgiving. Now, Thanksgiving is a good thing, you know. It's a lot of paganism and not a thing. I'm going to do a study on Thanksgiving. I need to do more studies on Thanksgiving because what I want to be is something that's pleasing to God. I struggle with other things already. I don't need to be uh, worshiping or getting into certain traditions that I know started off in a pagan tradition. See, you understand what I'm saying? So that's my take on Christmas. That's why I stopped celebrating Christmas. Now, this just made me even stronger and more against celebrating Christmas and all that stuff because of the education that I got about the history of Christmas. Okay, so that even made my disregard for celebrating Christmas even more stronger. You know, and I'm not the only one. It's many people don't celebrate Christmas no more, you know, for one reason or the other, because the pool, you know, the pool and a lot of the financial burden it has brought and brings on a lot of people. You know, I just couldn't get with that because it became more joisterous. That's a new name I made of joisterous Christmas came to the point and start bringing joy with stress. And that's why I got that name. This is nothing you can find in the dictionary. This is one of JoJo's made up words. Joy stress. It brings joy and stress. And I've seen that traditionally Christmas was leaving a lot of people in stress and unhappy for the ones that spend their money and spending financially hurt them and the ones that was not able to celebrate it or financially able to give our presents. They felt guilty. They felt bad and whatever like that. So that's not Jesus. See, so that's what that's what started me to stop doing the celebrating. That's not Jesus. There's no way that's Christ. See, Christ is our ultimate gift. Okay? Jesus Christ is the ultimate gift. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. His dying, his burial, and his resurrection. That's the ultimate gift is Jesus Christ. So he would not want us to be celebrating a stressful tradition like Christmas. Rather, even if he was pagan, even if it wasn't pagan, he wouldn't want his children or nobody to be getting burnt out and stressed out, caught up in gifts. Because Christmas became gifts. It became you trying to please somebody. Then it came to the point that is this the right gift? Then it came to the point adults was worse than little kids and everything like that. So that's what got me just say, man, something's not right with Christmas. I can't celebrate this no more. This can't be of Christ. But when I seen these documentaries and I I understood about Jesus not being born on the 25th, I, I, I knew that quite a few years ago, but this just made me put my foot down even my on my feet down even more about not selling celebrating Christmas even more because I stopped celebrating quite a few years ago. It's just I put up with it and I tolerated it. And I still would tolerate it, but I would never celebrate it. Cause I'm not gonna try to stop nobody. You know, I I'm not gonna celebrate it myself. You know, if somebody want to invite me over and whatever like that, yes, I'm going to eat and whatever like that. But uh, if they ask me, that's what I will be bold enough to tell them. I don't celebrate Christmas. I appreciate it. You know, I let you know up front. I don't celebrate Christmas and whatever like that, you know. But at the same time, I don't knock nobody else that still do traditions. But some people, I have an issue what a person that knows about the pagan traditions, but still celebrates it when it comes to a believer. You know, the issue is, okay, what are you really celebrated for now? You got all this information. What is your reason now? It can't be about Christ. It's got to be about you. But at the same time, some people that don't know really think they're just doing something to lift up Jesus, whatever like that. They do it out of ignorance. And that's what God turned his back on him. You know, he don't he don't look at you like that because you're doing it out of ignorance. You really believe it has something to do with Jesus. But you still don't want to worship the traditional day over Christ. OK, that's all I'm saying. So that's going to be between you and God. All right. Now, what I want to do now. Let's read oh, this article from Justin Johnson from Grace Ambassadors about the nativity scene. Because many believers and churchgoers, excuse me, use this scene. This is a main issue, the so-called birth of Jesus. And I'm going to read all these articles and then I'm going to say adios from there and then I'm going to you know, get into something else. But let me read this article from Justin Johnson from Grace Ambassadors. It's called Fables Concerning the Nativity of Jesus. And then I'm going to end it. Now, let me read it. Throughout December, homes all across the world have 
figurines and pictures of what they think should be the most lauded event of the year. However, much of the glory and drama that has become part of the nativity scene did not really happen, according to the Bible. It is a myth and fables, all right? Use opportunities with family and friends this year to direct them from the fabled glory of the cradle to the glorious truth of the cross. We need to understand this. Now, let me leave. He's got around, uh, see here, 23 different fables, 23 different myths about the nativity scene. And this is very interesting, folks, and we need to check these out because this is very interesting. After this, I really want you to read the book of Luke because they get into more details about the nativity scene and you'll see what he's talking about, which is true. And I knew a lot of things in that nativity scene was like fables, some things I did not know. But when you read the book of Luke and when you read the Bible in general, always go about what the Bible say and what it don't say, okay? Not what man taught you or what not schools and traditions taught you about the nativity scene. Go about what the Bible says about that, you know, even the name nativity, you know, so stuff like that. So let's read these uh, 22 myths. The first myth, Christ was born, Christ was not born in 0 B.C. A.D., all right. Reason being, there was no year zero. Even so, because of the way we received our modern calendar, Jesus' birth is more than accurately dated to be between 3 and 4 B.C. That's the first myth. Second myth, Christ was not born on December 25th. You ought to know that by now. Reason being, it is easily researched from the Bible that the date of December 25th is not the birth date of Jesus. Remember, they got that December 24th from the sun gods. It wasn't Jesus' birth. They just added that and put it by Jesus to please the uh, to appease the Christians from Constantine and also the pagans. <laughs> so you know that. More likely, Jesus would be born in the fall as the Bible says was the time when the shepherds would let their flock into the fields to feed this also aligns with the Bible chronology of the pregnancies of Elizabeth and Mary. So that'll be around September, many believers believe, sometime in September, which is the fall. But you got to look at the Jewish calendar time. Number three, Mary did not ride into Bethlehem on a donkey. No, she didn't. Pictures of the nativity show Mary riding a donkey while Joseph leads them. This is speculation as there is no mention of how they traveled in the biblical accounts. Okay, so that's speculation. They never said God never said what Mary was riding on. Okay, another myth. Here's number four. Mary did not give birth the same night she arrived. Go to Luke 2 and 6 and you'll read that yourself. Luke 2 and 6 indicates that she gave birth while they were there. The idea that they rode into town and she gave birth that night was a fictional addiction. It was it was added on. No doubt for a dramatic effect. When you look and listen to the movies, you listen to the stories and the kids' stories, it was just added on. The Bible never said that Mary was that Jesus was born that same night, you know, or she gave birth that same night. Okay. Number five, Joseph never talked to the innkeeper. This is very interesting. And most explanations of the birth tonight, Joseph went from hotel to motel, asking the innkeepers for a room. However, in the Bible, there's no innkeeper character or recorded dialogue. 
who you're going to listen to, traditional Bible stories or what the Bible really says, okay? So, number six, there was no stable. Interesting. The Bible says that Jesus was laid in a manger and never mentions a stable. The modern depiction of the woodshed stable is fabricated. Wow. Joseph and Mary were in the town of Bethlehem, and historians have discovered that mangers were inside inside additions to houses, much like modern houses would have a back porch or garage. Traditions always put a hole to stories when you go to Jewish traditions or any type of traditions, knowing that there was no stables in the Bible towns, but there was mostly just some certain modern houses was built. So let's get stables off our minds. That's a traditional fabrication story. Just like many ministers do the Bible, they fabricate. Number seven, there is no halo around the head. Now, we, uh, most of us know that around his head. The halos off the scene and activity scenes are remnants from historical paintings. These sun discs are never described as being part of Jesus' birth, which is described as an otherwise normal birth. In other words, Jesus was born normally, like, like any other baby, nothing supernatural and mysterious. The only thing that was supernatural about his birth miraculously when he was born from a virgin. He wasn't born from no human. That's the supernatural part, not him having anything else. After that, he was just, uh, you know, born the regular way. There was no human. There was no drummer boy. Remember the movie, The Drummer Boy, or The Little Drummer Boy, the story about that? Another fictional addition that was added. There was no drummer boy. Okay? Number nine, the angels did not sing. You have to read Luke 2 and 13 and 42 to 14 to see this yourself. Angels did not sing. Luke 13 14, Luke, excuse me, 2, 13 and 14 indicates that the host of heaven, which is the angels, said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. A hallelujah chorus is never mentioned in the chorus of Handel's Messiah. In other words, they didn't sing it like some stories want you to think they sung it. No, they just they just pronounced Jesus, okay? From the book of Revelation, not the nativity, nativity accounts of Matthew and Luke. The idea that angels sang, or sang songs come from speculative carols written just in the past few centuries. So that's another fabrication. There was an add-on. The angels did not sing, okay? when they mentioned Jesus, all right? Number 10, peace on earth did not come at the birth of Jesus. Now, you'll know that a lot of peace did not come when Jesus was born. Matter of fact, a lot of hell broke out. According to Matthew 2 and 16, I look at, should be evidence enough. I mean, look at Matthew 2 and 16. Should be evidence enough that peace had not come as Herod raged war on innocent babies in order to prevent the baby from becoming king. Jesus said later in his ministry, suppose he said, I'll come to give peace on earth. I tell you, nay or no, but rather division. So when Jesus was born, there was no peace on earth. Like a lot of some know. I understand the metaphor and everything like that, but, you know, Herod trying to kill babies and stop this birth, there was no peace, okay? Another fictional belief. There was no snow in the field. That That's explanatory because Jesus wasn't born December 25th. He was born in September, so the, and the shepherds do not let their sheep graze or whatever in snow in the wintertime. They don't do that, all right? Number 12, it was not a silent night. Contrary to the imagery of shepherds quietly kneeling and the sons that say all was calm the night of his birth. It was rather the contrary. There was a small uproar because of the shepherds. You'll find us in Luke 2, 17 and 18. It was anything but a silent night. Also, there's no reason to think Jesus didn't cry. Jesus was a baby. He cried. 
<laughs> he, he fussed. <laughs> Jesus was a baby. All babies cry, okay? So according to what he's saying, there was no sign of night. 13, three kings did not visit Jesus. This idea came from the son, we three kings. However, the Bible does not say that kings visited Jesus. Wise men did, okay? Let's, let's remember that. Three kings didn't visit Jesus. That's another add-on fictional. Come from a story, all right? Cute stories, but not biblical. 14, there were not three wise men. Okay, speaking of the wise men, there were three gifts listed in the Bible, but there is no indication of how many men it was. And the wise men was called magis. But the Bible does not say how many it was. People got the gifts, and they thought about the three gifts, so they thought about three wise men. Huh? You see, the three gifts, three wise men, but the Bible didn't say how many. Okay, so that's another add-on. 15. The wise men did not see the baby Jesus. Matthew 20, 11 gives us a clue that the wise men arrived at a house to see the young child Jesus. Matthew 2 and 16 hints that up to two years could have passed. Number 16. The star was not astrological. That it took months or years for the wise men to find Jesus' house indicates that the star that guided them could not have been astrological, another a regular star. Matthew 2 and 9 says the star went and stood. These are strange descriptions if the star were in the heavens. Also, the star disappears and reappears. Most likely it was an angel that guided them, as angels are also referred to as stars in the Bible, according to Revelation 1 and 20. Number 17. Mary and Joseph were not alone. Mary and Joseph went into Bethlehem because it was the town of those of the house of David to be taxed. No doubt there were other people, family and friends, that were there also for the taxation. Taxation, excuse me. There would be no reason for them to be alone. The fact that there was no room in the inn did not mean they were turned out into the cold, but means that all of the living rooms of the house were occupied with people, the house, perhaps people they knew. 18. Jesus' birth was not miraculous. The birth of Jesus was probably very mechanically ordinary. It was a virgin conception that was miraculous. I explained that already. 19. The birth of Jesus is not the gospel. You can not get saved because of the birth of Jesus. In other words, the birth of Jesus is found in two of the four books of the Bible that people casually call the Gospels. However, it is not the Gospel of Christ, which is the power of God to salvation. The Gospel is found in the writings of Paul and 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 4, and excludes the birth of Christ. Remember, the Gospel does not literally mean salvation. The Gospel means good news, okay? So sometimes we can get that bent out of shape Gospel, good news. Salvation is good news, but also the birth of Jesus was good news. You know, it was all the other callings of the Bible to call good news so or good tidings. So remember that. All right. The birth of Christ was not the most important event in history. Actually, it wasn't. Well, we know the resurrection was not his birth, but his resurrection. If Jesus were just born, we would still be in our sins. It was his death and resurrection that is the gospel, which was the power, has the power of God to save. There is no power to save in the credit. Now, the gospel referral salvation right here is believing to be saved. It's also good news, but it's pertaining to salvation. So interchangeably, you got to understand in context when the Bible talks about gospel. Good news could mean uh, uh, something being proclaimed, or good news can mean how to be saved, all right?
21, Jesus did not tell us to celebrate his birthday. That's self-explanatory. He did not. The Bible does not instruct us to celebrate the birth of Jesus. The disciples did not celebrate his birth. Paul even forbids that we glory, save the cross. Galatians 6 and 14. However, the Bible does tell us to glory in his death, burial, and resurrection. The Bible does tell us to do this, and Christians have been doing this for centuries, okay? 22. Christ was not begotten in the manger. The most misunderstood part of the nativity is that Jesus was not begotten in the manger. Actually, Acts 13 and 33 and Psalm 2 and 7 indicates that Christ was begotten at his resurrection. Jesus was born and died, but it was the resurrection that was the event that no other man could perform. Many men have died for others, but Jesus was the only begotten son who died for the world. The first and only man to rise from the dead of his own account to die no more. Finally, 23, celebrating his birth is not how we should glorify God. Paul says, God forbid that we glory, save the cross in our Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 6 and 14, emphasizing his birth hides the glory of the cross and misdirects attention to an event under the law that does not have the power to save anyone, but rather could cause confusion as Matthew, John, our Old Testament and their doctrine. And the day is surrounded by fables and Roman Catholic traditions. Christmas is a pagan Roman Catholic tradition. It's not ordained by God. God did not call us to celebrate his birthday. And we remember all those traditions was was, uh, was built around uh, Jesus and Israel. Okay. The body of Christ wasn't even around then when all these traditions have been formed. The body of Christ came through Paul. You know, so it's a lot of things we need to just keep under the hood when it comes to certain traditions. So I'm going to end it right there. I hope you got something out of this teaching. You come to your own conclusion. Remember, the only way to be saved is believing in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 4, or just read 1 to 4, okay? So I hope you got something to this. So I, I explained to you and I broke down why I do not celebrate Christmas. You do what you do. You know, you heard this information, you can research it, or you don't have to research it. You can leave it dead put. But all I'm just saying, why I don't celebrate Christmas, or why I stop celebrating Christmas, 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 you know, because of the traditions and the paganism, paganism made me even put my foot down even more that I would not share Jesus with Satan. Okay, God bless you all. This is Joseph Brownlee, Body of Christ, Real Talk. Love you all. Peace out. Bye bye. Left out, baby. <laughs>